when it comes to unions and a lot of other things, increasingly Amazon kind of sounds like every other retailer. Hi, I'm Daphne Howland. And I'm Ben Unglesby. We're senior reporters with Retail Dive, and this is our podcast where we break down the biggest industry news and trends. And talk about some of the things that don't always make it into our stories. This is The Backroom. Hey, welcome to another episode of The Backroom. Today, we're going to be talking about Amazon. Ben and I have both recently written quite a few stories about Amazon, and it's been an interesting year for them so far. Ben, I wanted to start things off by touching on a couple of stories you wrote. I'm thinking of a story you did on the buybacks, but also another one where there was an analyst that actually downgraded Amazon for a whole host of reasons. So what's that about? Yeah, so the, the, there was a recent note from MKM Partners. It, it wasn't actually a downgrade, but they lowered their their price target. Oh, lowered price target, right. Yeah, um, but it, we just thought the note was was interesting because it, it was a reminder of both how complex Amazon's business has gotten and how complex sort of the operating environment is for Amazon and, and pretty much anybody in, in retail and e-commerce right now. And the analyst points to what they say on in the, the equity analyst world, what they call headwinds blowing against Amazon, but basically all, all of the potential challenges it has, ranging from you know what's going on in, in Europe with war breaking out, essentially with Russia's invasion of U- Ukraine. And that's had a knock-on effect on, on oil prices. So oil goes up, it affects everything. I mean, it affects transportation costs, it affects material costs, it affects inflation generally. So that could have an impact on Amazon as as it's become this huge sort of logistics company on top of everything else it is. It has added a, a fuel sur- surcharge to, to sellers to offset some of that. But the estimate that this analyst gave was it could add you know, it could make for a $4 billion hit to, to Amazon's operating income just in the first half of, of the year. Um, so it has that to, to contend with, as well as we don't quite know how consumers are going to behave over the next year. The pandemic is here, but it's once, I mean, it's changing all the time. People are more comfortable shopping than ever before uh, in person uh, since the pandemic started. I should say not ever before, but since the pandemic started. And so, that you know, if, if people are, are doing more physical shopping, is that going to take away some of the gains that, that Amazon made in, in e-commerce over the past two years? We don't know. Likewise, we don't know how consumers are going to react to, to inflation as it continues. Uh, so it's just it's it's kind of a tough it's a it's it's a tough operating environment for everyone. Also, and Amazon is not immune. And while Amazon has you know potential new areas of growth, you know it's it's raising its prime memberships. You know it's adding services all the time. It's not certain how it's going to all pan out for for the company. And, and, you know, after you do up all the math, it it looks like Amazon could. Oh, and also stimulus payment. You know, there there are a lot of stimulus payments last year that aren't that people aren't going to be getting this year. But uh, when you add it all up, it looks like Amazon could see some of its e-commerce revenue uh, decline and, and its costs go up. I think that whole notion of Amazon is not immune is almost the deadliest one because I think for a long time 
you know, it was other retailers who had to try to build up immunity against Amazon. And the fact that Amazon is the one who's being challenged right now. And, you know, you mentioned in that story around Emma Partners, you mentioned the new CEO, Andy Jassy's letter, where he it kind of admits it's a last year was a crazy and unpredictable year. In his first letter to shareholders as CEO, I kind of pictured Jeff Bezos kind of taking the long view at Amazon and thinking, you know, I built this. It's been a couple decades. I've got a rocket ship. See ya, you know, just in time for things to kind of, it's not like it's dicey for Amazon, but it's definitely seems more complicated than it's ever seemed before. Yeah. I mean, when I started at Retail Dive covering national retail, I mean, there was, I, I mean, Amazon could just do a thing and the whole world would react and, um, you know, its competitors would cower and, you know, its its investors would cheer and it almost didn't matter how much money the company spent or, you know, what its actual prospects of succeeding in a, in a new business line, you know, may have been given its experience. I mean, the, it, it almost seemed like Amazon was invincible and it its, its stock has taken kind of a has come down a lot from its pre-pandemic highs. It's so well above where it was in 2019, but its stock has fallen a lot since its pandemic highs. I mean, we've seen slowdowns in Amazon. And one sign that the the company is coming down to earth and, and might have to face some of the same realities that other retailers do is in, uh, you know, its, it's announcement this year uh, that it was uh, of its new buyback program which is it had a buyback program in place since 2016 did not use it did not touch it did not buy any shares back any of its common stock back until this year and then and then it and then it doubled the program to 10 billion dollars and something that might have something to do with the fact that there's a you know there's a famous activist investor who is not waging an activist campaign against Amazon but did buy a chunk of stock and, and given that its stock prices have, have fallen over the course of the year, you know, Amazon is doing what other retailers have done for years. I mean, buybacks are just part and parcel of, of being a publicly traded retail business. Even struggling retailers, you know, have done, I mean, not distressed, but even struggling retailers have done buybacks. At the end of the day, it's a way to boost your stock price executives will call it a return to shareholders and categorize them with with dividends. Amazon didn't have to do that for years and years and years because the stock price was was so high and investors had so much faith in the company's ability to invest wisely and faith in its future profits based on the money that it was investing in its business today. Whereas other retailers were trying to invest and, and the biggest ones had cash to do buybacks and invest too. But while everyone was trying to catch up with Amazon and please their shareholders. Amazon just kind of did whatever it wanted and its shareholders cheered. And we might see that era, you know, start start to unwind a little bit, at least for now. That whole thing of not needing to really cater to the shareholders, I feel like that was sort of the subtext. And it went with the whole Amazon line, which is, the only people we work to please 
are our customers, right? So all of a sudden though, maybe Amazon, I think Amazon now has several audiences that it needs to entertain. That includes shareholders. That also increasingly includes workers. I mean, in the last few weeks, the first union successfully organized a warehouse. We don't know that this is the beginning of a wave like it is at Starbucks, but even it's a huge uh, deal because yeah. it's a it's huge a huge deal, deal. and. It, it, it's almost like Amazon has um, not just customers, but also shareholders and also potentially workers. The Wall Street Journal reported about a New York pension funds that are pressuring shareholders to unseat a couple of directors on Amazon's board in light of their warehouse safety record. You know, Amazon's on the defensive in a lot of these areas, and it's it, you, it, you're just not used to seeing that from this company. Yeah. For years, there have been reports about how, you know, at least some contingent of warehouse workers felt about working at Amazon. Safety issues, surveillance issues, being overextended or, or overworked. This is, I mean, it's not just the first time that there's been a union at Amazon. There's not been much union activity in retail at all. And, and you've been following this closely, Daphne the developments at, at Amazon and, and what it all means. But do you get the sense that, that retail writ large is also watching? <laughs> Not only are, is Amazon management watching what's happening in Staten Island, but the whole is the whole retail world kind of watching what's going on? I think so. I think that's why you see a lot of wages are certainly going up, matching or besting Amazon, which likes to brag that it offers a minimum of 15 an hour, which in some areas really isn't that great of a wage if you're talking about, a, you know, livability. Of course, it's not just about wages. It's about workplace safety. It's about having a voice in the conversation about the workplace and, you know, a balance of power, basically. And there does seem to be a nascent movement toward unionization. It feels like a young millennial slash Gen Z phenomenon. These are by and large young people who are in these retail and warehouse jobs. The thing about warehouse jobs is that they're pretty invisible. I mean, at least at a Starbucks or in a store, more or less a customer, the customers are sort of witnesses to the vibe in the store, maybe not entirely how it's run, but there's a difference between going into a store where everyone's miserable and going into a store where people like to work. You don't see that. You know, you can order from Amazon and get your package and you have no idea, you know, how life was for the people who touched that box. That may or may not be changing. You know, we'll have to see. It There seems to be some momentum, but so much depends on the economy and... It's a moment of opportunity for workers. I mean, the the market is in their favor. Retailers are, you know, trying to fill positions. And you, I mean, from I I I've never, you know, I I've never worked for a lot of the names that we mentioned here. But I've worked, you know, I worked in retail years ago, and I'll I'll tell you, you've even no matter what was printed in the the HR manuals. <laughs> And, and, and what kind of, you know, 
what what messages you you heard you know you heard and were on paper from the home office you felt based on pay based on benefits based on you know the processes for employees giving feedback and and having influence over over the store and and their their work lives you felt replaceable <laughs> and this might be one uh, uh uh the first moment in a long time where it is not easy to replace a retail worker and i i mean they're not dumb they might see that and they they might be capitalizing on it and using the leverage they have when the leverage has been on the side of of businesses for for the past several decades. There's definitely that, which is sort of a a power element. There's also this other thing which feels kind of Gen Z-ish, but a lot of these younger workers are, it's definitely about bread and butter and probably will become more so as they get older and, you know, have things like mortgages and families. But they're also really care about how they're treated at work what the quality of work is, not just, I mean, obviously they want to be safe at work, which sounds like from some of these reports, Amazon is struggling to achieve in some of its warehouses, but it's a quality of life question and it's an authenticity. If the company you're working for says that they care about people, they want to see how that's true. So it's an interesting ask, I think, on the part of some of these workers. What what is Amazon? Because again, you've been following cl- this more closely than I have. What what is Amazon saying about the unionization efforts? What are they saying publicly? What have they What are they saying to 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 workers at, at those sites where where there have been votes? Well, what they said to reporters is that workers are free to choose whether or not to join a union, and they just don't think it's good for their employees to join a union. But it's really the employees' choice. What the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, however, determined in Bessemer, Alabama, when they first organized last year, was a a host of intimidation tactics against the union that were egregious enough and, and ran afoul of labor rules to the point where they called for another election. So they had a do over this year. Technically, that vote hasn't been officially called because the union has questioned a, a certain number of ballots that would change the outcome, but it, that the, the union lost again, apparently, unofficially, seems to have probably lost again. But again, though, Amazon says that its workers are free to join a union, but when it comes to, there's clearly documented evidence that in at least some cases it takes steps to interfere with that choice wait and it's something investors are watching uh, as well and, and it, it was mentioned at the end of that mkm partners note that you know it's unlikely to have a big impact on their their cost leverage this year it's they called it a key risk to monitor going forward which to me is a, is a sign investors i mean and maybe it's maybe it's common sense but Investors see it as an added cost, the unionization effort, which to me also implies that higher wages and, and, and benefits for, for employees, and that's where those costs are coming out of, unless I'm, unless I'm misinterpreting. Yeah, I'm sure the shareholders, you know, if you think of the stakeholders in a company as being the shareholders, the owners of the company, then 
you might see unions as a challenge to the company's power. But, you know, there are different ways to define stakeholders in a company. And you could argue that the workers are a stakeholder in the company. A lot of workers actually technically own shares, right? I think that that Amazon has done that for warehouse workers in the past. You know, it's interesting. Costco, which it's not like, in most cases, it's not like an entire company is unionized. Unionization usually happens, you know, location by location. That's why we keep seeing Starbucks stores being unionized and one Amazon warehouse being unionized. Costco is not a unionized company, but a lot of Costco stores are unionized. And there's a retailer that keeps making good money and enjoys a pretty steady, happy shareholder cohort. So I'm not, I'm definitely not a, you know, investment expert, but I wonder if this automatic knee jerk idea that unionization means a challenge to the business, it's worthy of being listed as a risk to the business. I don't know. I don't know if it holds up. Yeah. I mean, businesses are adaptation machines and they may worry about an added cost here or there with with wages or with anything but you you see you see i mean a, a business businesses adjust they find ways to adjust to every they adjusted to a pandemic <laughs> they adjusted you know they've adjusted to you know everything that's being thrown at them because that's what they do you get hit with a cost in one place you you reevaluate the business and you find you you often find you can you know reduce a cost elsewhere higher wages can can actually improve the the outcomes for businesses in a lot of different ways um so so what might seem like a, a an added cost on your your income statement or whatever it doesn't necessarily pan out that way in in the long run businesses are constantly evolving which it's i don't know it's funny it's i think it was in his the previous letter to shareholders when jeff bezos sort of addressed this because the first election in Bessemer had happened for the union. He was sort of defending Amazon's, you know, record as a as an employer and went on to say, you know, describe how different and atypical Amazon is and that they don't want to be like any other retailer. And it sort of goes back to what we're talking about and what you wrote about when it comes to unions and a lot of other things, increasingly Amazon kind of sounds like every other retailer you know, except for the fact that they're increasingly not a retailer. They're just not a retailer. Yeah. Well, and that comes up in the MKM, though. I mean, there's all these countervailing forces and places where they might lose revenue, but their business is so complex now and they're gaining revenue in in other places because they have this growing advertising business and they have the cloud business. And they have all these services, all these other services that they offer to to their third party sellers, and they make a cut of their third party sales. So you know, and and anything that's you know the whole, the point of all of that is it's it's an incredibly dynamic, diversified entity. Amazon. When you talk about Amazon, you you can't just you're not just talking about any one thing anymore. It's just this massive collection of of lines of business. And so they get hurt in one area, but they have, you know, there's so many moving parts. So this new buy with prime program, what it does for Amazon, it's if you're a prime member, there's a potential for 
brands and other retailers who are not now affiliated with Amazon, so not the marketplace sellers, can have like a buy with Prime button on their websites. So as a Prime member, I can go to this brand's website, hit the buy with Prime button. I'm not on Amazon's website, but I'm still able to use my Amazon checkout, get Prime delivery, get free returns, all the good stuff that Prime members love. And Amazon all of a sudden has a whole new set of sellers and brands who it can make money off of. It can, you know, sell advertising to, fulfillment fees, storage fees, all kinds of fees, which is really where Amazon is making its money. Amazon isn't making a whole lot of money from selling stuff, which is what a retailer theoretically does. Yeah, it's it's kind of mind-boggling to, to think that Amazon was w- once upon a time just an online bookstore. <laughs> yeah, it was an online bookstore and it sold books. Well, you're more likely, if you're going to buy a book from Amazon, I think you're just as likely to buy a book from another seller, at least if you're you know buying a used book or whatever. But, you know, certainly... Their marketplace is growing faster than their own retail business. And this buy with Prime idea just further complicates things. You know, in this case, probably you're not going to be getting your stuff in an Amazon box. You'll be getting it in that brand's box. I don't know. It's, you know, I'm sure it's smart to add a revenue stream to your business, but just as you said before, it's definitely another complicating element to the business. And that's probably a good place to leave it. This episode of The Backroom was produced and edited by Caroline Jansen. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.